Steve Addison from the Movements Podcast. Podcast for people who want to multiply disciples in churches everywhere. Today I'm going to be talking to Fred and Melissa Campbell of Austin, Texas. Mutual friend Jeff Sundell said, Steve, you've got to interview these people, so we're going to find out why. We're going to begin by hearing a bit of their story. God had opened the door for us to start a manufacturing company back in, in 1999, and the company grew rapidly uh, year after year, and then uh, God allowed what he had done in our lives prior to that to build on what he was doing in this manufacturing company. And uh, quite frankly, the manual uh, for what I use to to lead these people as a servant in a servant leadership model was the Bible. I found that treating all of the employees as if they were volunteers uh, had value. And to just see how God used his word to create a place that was called a business, but was more of a blessing both for all of the employees and also all of our customers and our vendors. It was just beautiful to see how God would use his word and the sharing of his word in a business environment to draw people to himself. Mm-hmm. We saw people come to Christ uh, throughout those years of doing that. And we just began to pray through this because the the growth of the company was becoming so large. And and I just must say that the beauty of that whole experience in business was that unless I had full dependence upon God, there was no way, no way I could survive what was taking place because the blessings were so enormous, so, so enormous, both from a product design standpoint, from managing growth, and, and, and then to later learn that this, many of the same principles that God used in the business are the same principles that we're using now in the city. For example, multiplication that we found the greatest way in business to grow was through multiplication. And, uh, and we just lived that. But at some point, Melissa and I began to pray and we would just say, God, change Change how we spend our time, change our attitude, change our schedule, change everything about our lives more than ever before so that our lives would be transformed to look more like this. Lord Jesus, give us Austin, Texas, or we die. And so we just continued to pray that day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. And what we saw God do then is we saw him open a door for the company to grow dramatically. Mm-hmm. Like we were going to need hundreds more employees. And so all my life, since I became a believer, God has always shown me that he opens a door for me. And then I simply pray and I watch. And if he closes the door, it's time for me to testify to everyone around me that's involved. And then the door will stay closed or the door will open again and I'll walk through the door. And so this happened Mm -hmm. in sale of this company that we had that took place very rapidly. But as Melissa experienced, because she got to come and see sometimes how this would happen with 
teams of accountants and, and uh, intellectual property people and, and uh, lawyer teams. It was just beautiful to see how the door would open and we were there and the door would seemingly shut and it was time to tell people about Jesus and his unfailing love in large rooms with lots of people, which okay. you got, she got to see. And all I'm saying is that has been typical in our walk with Christ, that he's faithful to show us what we need to do, which is simply to obey his word, including the Great Commission. And so we love to tell his story and we love to tell how God has redeemed us and how he continues to change us in the world, wherever we are. And so God began to do this little by little and the sale of the company went we decided to stay for 12 months to transfer the leadership because there was a lot to, to, to transfer. Mm-hmm. Then during that time, we were praying and saying, God, we can see that you've, you, you're taking the city. We can see this even from afar, going across the city and looking around and see where are other people, believers working in the city and what are they doing. And what just kept coming uh, to our mind over and over again is the words of Caleb in Numbers chapter mm-hmm. 13, verse 30, when Caleb said, he silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Mm-hmm. And Caleb knew, just as we know, we can't do this. But our God is able to do it. And because we had heard so much that Austin was such an unchurched city, being told over and over again that 92% of the people in Austin are unchurched. Wait a minute. This is, this is Texas. Uh, is, that, is that so? 92%? Yes. And, and what, we found, what we found was how marvelous it was that everywhere we turned, people were far from God. And so it was like all we have to do is figure out how does God want us to talk to these people. And so earlier this year, January and February this year, uh, our eight-year-old son, Melissa and I, would go out on Saturday mornings with some breakfast tacos. It's a very common uh, food here. And we would go out to a neighborhood and we would knock on the door and we would introduce ourselves and we'd say, we just want to say that we care about you and we want you to know. And here's some free breakfast tacos. And we'd ask them, what's your first name? And we'd call them by their first name and say, is there something that we could pray for you about today? And then we would pause and we would look to see, is there spiritual hunger? Is the spirit of God working in their life? And we just found over and over and over how the spirit of God was moving in many people's lives. And so just about that time, then we were invited to come to this training here in Texas and to meet Jeff Sundell. And so when we showed up and we heard him lead us through these questions like, who should we tell? And what should we say? How should we share the gospel with them? And then if they say yes to the invitation to the gospel, how do we disciple them? How do we train them? in the short term and the long term. And then how do we group these new believers together? And how do we see then leaders multiply? 
And it was just as if God had handed us this beautiful gift uh, that we didn't have to reinvent the wheel. We, we got to hear stories that Jeff told us about how God had led a number of different people um, to practice and learn best practices for how to respond to these questions uh, in many different people groups in many different countries. So, and so I'm just going to ask Melissa, what what impact did the training have on you? Um, what did it do well, for you? Pretty similar to what he just said, it was so impactful because it really was an aha moment for both of us. It was, oh my goodness, this is exactly the how of what we've needed all along. And we had been trained, he pretty extensively in evangelism, and I truly am a lay person and really are, I just know from reading God's word and from trusting the Holy Spirit to teach me. Um, but this was the how to that I needed all along just to say, what if somebody said yes? Um, what would I then begin to do? Um, and it was, okay, now we know the next steps to take, and we can really help people know Jesus. So you're already a, a long way down this track in terms of, you know, heart for Austin, Texas. You're out there sharing the gospel regularly, but it put pieces together for you. It was an aha moment. Is that is that how it was? Uh, yes, for, for both of us, I would say. <laughs> okay. What was, what was so beautiful, too, is as we looked and saw what God was doing in the city, there were some other things that were that were taking place. God had put a burden in our hearts for a great spiritual awareness mm-hmm. to be increased here. And God had showed me. Uh, how and what that would look like. But then God raised up another businessman that sold his company to invest in, in a citywide spiritual awareness campaign called Explore God. And then we heard a vision casting uh, presentation on it, and we heard the leader say, we're hoping to see a 100 churches join in unity all across the city. And we looked at one another and said, oh, no, not that small, not that small. God is so much bigger than that. And so we we hired nine people and we divvied up the whole metro area by zip code. And we just went and we visited all of the churches. Uh, we, we were thinking that there were nearly a thousand or eleven hundred churches here in the metro area where well, we found out there were there were fewer but we got to visit with almost all of them to build relationships, to cast vision and talk about how God is taking the city. And so what we began to see then was that there was a unity building among pastors and among churches that hadn't occurred here before in Austin. And we were just on the outside watching it and serving as a catalyst to help promoted. And so there were many other people um, that were involved with that campaign, Explore God. But we began to see how many of the churches here in the Austin area are small churches. And many of their pastors would say to us, thank you so much for coming, because we would have never known had you not come to tell us about this. And so they were in. 
And so we, we're just now concluding this spiritual awareness campaign, and many of the pastors now in, here in Austin across every denominational boundary are saying, okay, what's next? Now we've had thousands of spiritual conversations taking place in the city in small groups. What's next? And so now we're beginning to go back to those pastors and say, God has given us some practices and a process that that has been adapted by different people here in the USA. And we have watched God adapt it here in the Austin metro area. We've seen new churches planted. We've seen many people come to Christ. And you now are able to receive this same uh, gift that God gave us through Jeff Sundell at this training. Okay, so the spiritual awareness part campaign is about mobilizing ordinary people just to get out and connect, uh, share the gospel. Was that the heart of it? Yeah, the heart of it is to ask these spiritual curiosity questions that are common for many people and to just claim as believers that we don't have all of the answers and that we just want to explore the answers together. What what, what are some of those, those questions? Some of those questions are, why is there pain and suffering? Okay. Um, Is Jesus the only way? Um, Very fundamental Mm. questions. And I think there's a, there's an explore God uh, website that uh, we can provide a link to. So people could hear more about the campaign so there was a period then of sort of just getting out, uh, getting everybody out, uh, talking about these things, and then you've ramped it up another level. Uh, what, yes. what happened there? Yes. So we used the entry strategy that we found very fruitful that I described um, that Melissa and our son and I uh, went, and then God provided a, uh, a significant number of teams from the University of Texas to go out on one Saturday morning where we went then to a dozen different communities all in one uh, Saturday morning asking the same question and uh, asking if we can pray for the people and giving them this small gift um, with no strings attached. The gift of a, of a a simple break, a burrito breakfast, was it? Or a yes, taco? that's right. That's, so <laughs> I'm from we Australia. It, we, so, hey? Yeah, we call it breakfast taco. Uh, breakfast uh, taco here in uh, in Austin, and so we would we would deliver that, no strings attached, and then we would identify the people that uh, we prayed for, and then we would go back at least two weeks later, and we would show up and we would say. Hi, we were with the people that brought the breakfast tacos. And you would see their face light up. They were so happy. They would comment about it. One one guy said, tell the people that came that uh, thank you for praying for me because I needed a job. And now I have two jobs. I mean, there are all kinds of things that were taking place. And so we would say simply this. We've come back to tell you a story. We want to tell you a story. And the House of Peace would say, yes, and in many cases, just invite us right in. And so we would come in and we would say, 
This is a true story from the word of God. And we'd share a story of hope, typically the story of the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50. We'd just say that story in our own words. And then we would finish and say, this is a true story from the word of God. And then we would launch right in and share my story with the gospel put inside of my story in less than two minutes. And then I would simply ask them a question. I call them by their first name and say, does this make sense to you, what I'm saying? And then I would ask them, is there any reason you wouldn't want to receive the same free gift that I have received of forgiveness for all my mistakes? And are, are, is there any reason you wouldn't want to do that? And in many, many cases, like eight or nine out of ten cases, they would say, there's no reason I wouldn't want to do that. And so we saw this sudden uh, just increase of people coming to Christ almost on a daily basis. And then we would immediately open a Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we would read four verses, verses 17 through 21. And then we'd ask these three questions, and we would say, we want you to understand what just happened here. And I'd call them by their first name and say, you're a new creation. The old you is gone and the new you has come. And then I asked the second question, how did that happen? An exchange was made. God took all of your mistakes and all of your sins and put them on Jesus on the cross. And then he took the righteousness of Jesus being right with God and he put that on you. But the question then is, why has he done that? Well, it says right here what we just read from the Bible, that he wanted to bring you back to himself through Jesus. And not only that, he has made you his ambassador. And I would call him by the first name and say, you're now his rep. Mm. And also he's given you what to say and what to do, the ministry and the message of reconciliation. He wants to use you to bring other people back to himself through Jesus. Isn't he awesome? And we'd celebrate with these new believers. And then we would just ask him, Do you, is there somebody that you know that's far from God that you could tell what's happened here today? And almost without exception, they knew people. Mm. Uh, some people knew more than others. But then we would say, can we come back and train you how to tell your story with the gospel, the good news, inside of your story very soon. And so we would come back right away and train them. And then we would help them by holding them accountable, lovingly hold them accountable, and go through this process that Jeff Sundell trained us, looking back, looking up, looking forward, with loving accountability, teaching them then the seven commands of Christ, setting goals for now who can you tell your story with the gospel and how are you going to obey what you've learned today? And then we would come back again and we saw varying degrees of response. But the beauty was the, that the movement started wide and we began to see right away. There's over 403 houses apiece that we cannot follow up ourselves. And now, so we before we we'll get to the the wider thing, I'm I'm just wondering, um, maybe Melissa, do you 
can, does an example come to mind of a particular family or individual where this has happened? And you can just use their first name or a different name if you don't want to identify them, but could you just give us an example? Yeah, there are so many examples of, of how this has happened. I mean, get me started with one. Well, um, um, you can use uh, Ray and Sandy. Okay. So, for example, one of the houses, I mean, you just have to give me a name and I can tell you their story, but sometimes it's hard to remember at first. Um, one of the people that we visited, it was the last door on the last day in January that we went out and we met Sandy. And she said, oh, you know, yeah, she's on the phone right now with Ray. And uh, so she said, there are some people at my door and, you know, they're giving me breakfast tacos and trying to tell me a story. And and so she got off the phone with him and uh, we found out that they had just recently come to Christ and um, that Ray needed some encouragement at the time. And so Fred said, please let me, let me pray with you today and let me call Ray later. And so he called Ray on the phone later and they had a wonderful conversation and, um, it ended up that Ray was hungry for God and he had also recently come to Christ. And so, um, he began to say, now, how, how can I do just what you did with me with other people. And at the time we were using the faith gospel uh, presentation. And so Fred found it and gave it to Ray. And in one week, Ray had the entire faith presentation down pat, unbelievable, many verses. And uh, he said he just practiced it as he worked and he got it down. And so all of a sudden he was sharing with all kinds of people he was sharing with his boss and his boss's uh, girlfriend. He was sharing with uh, people that he was working with, people he was coming across, people in his neighborhood. And uh, he, Fred and I had to go out of town, but Ray called him and he said, Fred, uh, everyone's coming to Christ. What do I do? <laughs> and so it was wonderful because then uh, Fred was saying, now, you know, we talked about this and you know just what to do and you're doing great. And so so Ray began to uh, form groups. Uh, one of them was with his family, and I think he also attempted to with uh, his boss. And just wonderful things were happening. People were coming to Christ, and he was beginning to have groups and uh, begin to follow up with the actual T4T process with people. And as we were leading them through it, they were learning, and then they were trying to Okay, so you're, you're meeting with them. But then they've immediately begun to share, and they're sharing the gospel, and they're, and they're discipling others as new believers. Yes. Mm. Wow. Yes. It's very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. And, and now, let's go back. That's just one, one example. But I, I just picked up, Fred, you said you just to get this kick-started, you had 12 teams from, was it Austin University? We had uh, 40 teams 40 from te University of Texas. University of Texas. Okay. 40 teams from the University of Texas. So how many people? <laughs> the, the teams, there were yeah. 80 people. Team, teams of two. Teams of two. Okay. So you had about 80 people. And so you're, you, you're, you're taking them through uh, some basic training. I imagine it's, it's, you, it's similar to what, what Jeff trains in. With those particular teams, 
they were only going to be able to help us that day. Okay. So in that day, we trained them how to recognize and how to respond to the people just on that initial visit. Okay. It was, it was later when we found, oh, my goodness, there are so many people that are uh, far from God that are houses of peace. We began to pray, Lord, give us more believers that we can train and begin to follow up. And so little by little, God did that with young single girls that were in their 20s. He did that with uh, a few pastors of churches. One uh, Spanish-speaking church, uh, the pastor allowed us to come in on four consecutive Sunday mornings and train everybody in their church that would want to go. And that, that helped us jumpstart because then immediately we had translators and we had people that were available to go in areas of the city that we needed to go. And so, for example, in one community, we saw just in one community, we saw over 60 people come to Christ. And um, Mm. yes. And so we began to and this is where we had a a pastor come with us on uh, one Saturday morning for follow up. And the very first the very first door that we went to follow up, he saw a grown woman of four children come to Christ. Mm. And then on the next visit. He sees a young single man in his 20s say, no, I'm not ready to do that. But then we say, "Okay, can we come back to your house next week and tell you another story? And the young man said, I would love that. You do that. okay?" then we go to the next apartment and this is an apartment complex. And in the next apartment, we go and we knock on the door. No one's there. We turn about six feet to the next uh, apartment. We knock on that door, again, following up, and no one's home. We begin to walk away. We see a man wave through the window. We go back. He opens the door, and he answers with a uh, in English but with an accent that I didn't recognize. And I told him, we were the ones that brought the breakfast tacos. We've come back to tell you a story. And he said, come in. Come in. And we uh, the pastor is watching this and we go in and we find out he's just arrived 12 hours before as a refugee Mm. from Iran. And the pastor is seeing this. And uh, and and so I share let's go through the same uh, story of hope, my story and God's story and invite him to Christ. And he says, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And he says, I have a Bible. I'll show you. I have a Bible. Mm. And he show, brings out this Bible, and I said, does your Bible have a book called Romans? And uh, could you read verses 9 and 10 in English and tell me what it means to you? And he did, and I said, you are a Christian. Mm-hmm. You are a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, this man had literally uh, just arrived in the United States the night before. Mm-hmm. And he, in Iran, had become a Christian, put into prison, Uh, tortured and just made his way out of there. He was in prison for a year. And and my point is the pastor is watching all of this and the pastor leaves after that. And he goes, wow, he says, we can plan a church right now here in this complex. And I said, you are absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And so immediately he mobilizes some leaders and says, we've got to train these leaders to do this. And so now 
they're, they're, this church that's meeting there has already uh, seen more people in this community come to Christ, and they're practicing uh, the, uh, the basics of a church. They took up their first—this is just since late July of this year. They took up their first offering there in the church that is meeting outdoors between the buildings— and then they turned around and they gave that offering back to the members of that church that were in need. And many of the people that gave said, I had no idea how it, what it would feel like to give and to see how God would use our gifts to build up his church. And so they have two services a week outdoors. And So, so tell me what, what does church look like in that? It's a group of new believers. Some, like the uh, Iranian guy, has very little back. Well, he's has a year or so in the faith, or a few years. But what what does church look like? What it looks like there is that before they have their service every week, they go through the whole community and they announce it's time for us to come together. Mm. And they literally they'll go through. The, the different community, they'll play guitars, they'll just walk through, they'll just invite everyone that, that they see that is within earshot and say, it's time for us to come together. And they, they come together and they practice worship and they pray for one another. They sing songs of worship to one another. They, off, they uh, ask questions of loving accountability uh, after doing this and asking, now, who, who have you told? And how did you obey from last week? And they're doing this outside, all uh, outdoors. And, and now they have gotten such momentum. Now they're saying, we can no longer stay just here in our community. We need to do this in more communities. And so they said, could you, could you train more of our leaders? And so we, we arranged for that training just maybe three weeks ago. And uh, they said, well, maybe we'll have uh, eight people showed up. Over 26 people showed up from all the, wanting to the, the one apartment complex. Yes. Oh my. Yes. Okay. And so now this Friday, we continue with that training for the next two Friday nights. They've been out practicing more and more. Mm. And so we come back to, together this Friday night to, to continue the training. And, uh, are there other churches like this forming in uh, in Austin from the new believers? Yes, they they are, but they're not as large as this one. This was a very large community. In other communities, there may be uh, twelve to fifteen people. It's beautiful to see how they'll start with maybe four, five, or six people, but very quickly then they're out of space. They'll meet in somebody's home. They're out of space and they're having to move outside again uh, just because there's so many uh, uh, people that are there. Mm. And some people listening may sort of say, well, why, why not have the pastor take them to his church? Well, the beautiful thing here was that the one pastor that I described, he had planted a church just seven months prior to meeting us. And the church that he planted was outdoors on a street where he would show up and his him and his wife and his sons would just start singing songs to God and turn the speakers towards the neighborhood and just invite people to come. 
And within seven months, there was a group of about 40 adults and six, uh, 60 children that were attending. And they got permission of a, a, a local landowner there to put four posts in the ground to put a tarp up over their head so they could have some shade uh, when they met. And so that's the pastor that he got it real quick. And he's saying, clearly, we can do this all over the, the metro area, just wherever we can find people that are far from God, that we can invite and share the gospel. Hmm. And so um, just to sort of backtrack a bit, uh, you guys have have a heart for the city. You've been out uh, yourselves. You're you're out share, meeting people, sharing the gospel, making disciples using the seven commands of Christ, and at the same time, you're training and mobilizing and and partnering with all sorts of people across the city. And the fruit of that is is new disciples and and then helping them form church in, in their community or neighborhood. And and this now has, I mean, I just took a note a while ago, you've, you've got over 400 uh, receptive households or households of peace that uh, you just don't have yet enough people to follow them all up as soon as you can. Uh, so is that sort of the big picture of what's been happening? It, it is, but what's so beautiful about it is that these new believers then, they're the ones that are following up with the other houses of peace that we identified. And so right away when we said, who could you tell? They tell their oikos, the, the people that they know. And then right away, very soon after that, they're saying, now who else can I tell? And we say, here are a list of other people by their first names and where they live that now you can go and practice. And so since those 400 people, we've, we've moved now into another 12 communities we went into in August, a whole nother, a whole nother part of the city into a different social economic class of the city. And what was so beautiful here was that we have seen the same kind of response as we saw in these other 12 communities. And just this, just uh, today is, uh, just two days ago, we went into, because Austin is, uh, has a lot of urban sprawl out into uh, every area outside of Austin. And so we went with another church and they sent out nine teams uh, on a Sunday morning, just, just a few days ago. And now they went and identified over 80 potential houses of peace to follow up with. And what's so beautiful about the entry strategy now that we're seeing reproduce in different parts of the city is that the number of people that are receptive to allow us to go back to share the gospel is extremely high. Mm-hmm. We found in some of the toughest areas that we thought were the toughest soil in the city we saw nearly 50%, between 45 and 50% of the people that we've initially engaged were allowing us back into their home or onto their front porch to share a story of hope and our story in the gospel. And then here recently out in the in the suburbs, we found that that percentage went up to nearly 78%. 
And okay. so, so the initial area, was it more, uh, um, you know, a poorer area with a apartment complexes? Is that right? The first area that you went into? The, the first time we went in, we went into 12 different areas because we were looking for a, a reasonable cross-section of what the urban uh, Austin looked like. Okay. And so we were in the middle class, we were in the working poor, mm. and we're in the projects. Okay. And so uh, and you're seeing a common pattern across all those different communities of openness to the gospel. That's right. Mm. Well, now people are going to say, they, they've been saying to Jeff Sundell for years, and they say it here in Australia, well, you know, it'll work with immigrants, but, but not with, you know, Americans or Australians. And uh, you're seeing a response across the board. So I, I predict what people will say now when they don't want to implement change is, ah, oh, that only works in Austin, Texas. Um, so you're going to have to go after some other cities. Um, and, and I know that's, that's certainly part of Jeff's vision. Um, okay. So it's, may, a may whole, I say something? Yes, may I say yes. something? So we have already gone to Boston, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. spent a week in Boston, Massachusetts at a place when we were with uh, nearly 12 churches for a week, just earlier in October, maybe it was late September this year. And at the end of the week, those pastors said, we thought that Boston, Massachusetts was hard soil, but 67 people have come to Christ Mm. in all these different areas all over Boston. And Melissa and I saw on, on one day, we saw 13 people come to Christ in the community that Melissa and I we're visiting with, um, and and so we were already going to different cities. We then earlier this month we went to Indianapolis, Indiana, with our great friend Gary Stump, and we we met with people that had come there. Uh, they had driven there from Missouri, Missouri, and also Ohio, and we got to spend some time with different people. That uh, we told our story and about what God's doing here in Austin. And since that time, just in a few weeks, we've been watching them go into and they've been reproducing exactly what we're doing here in Austin, Texas, in Dayton, Ohio, and in Indianapolis, Indiana. And they're seeing similar, similar response in their and also uh, Ray Vaughn down in Columbia, South Carolina, doing the same thing and seeing uh, seeing it reproduce. This is wonderful news, really, and um, amazing what God is doing. I'm, I'm wondering, because um, people listening, they, they're going to be eager to say, well, you know, uh, how, how do we get trained? How do we uh, learn uh, to begin doing what God's taught you to do? So um, uh, obviously you're training on the ground there in Austin, Texas, uh, but are there opportunities either around the, the U.S. or in Austin for people to, to get some training? Absolutely, absolutely. Without waiting, anyone can go to a website here 
that was uh, established here in this summer that's called T4TUSA.com. And there are video training presentations on that website of Jeff Sundell doing the training. Okay. There are many uh, other resources there. Um, it's a great place where people can get trained now mm. without waiting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now I've, I've t- typically said to people, you, you need to get this sort of, you need to be in the room to do the training. Now, I'm going to direct people to that site. And they they can begin to train, they uh, be trained and and, and implement. Uh, are there also options for um, you know doing the training with 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 someone in the room? Yes, there there are, are several, and one of the uh, one one of the ways to do that is to join an E three Partners U.S. Expedition. Okay. Where where Jeff Sundell is leading training and people that he has trained lead trainings. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's going to be a number of those uh, coming all throughout the the USA um, in 2014. Excellent. Well, I'll I'll track down some links to that. Uh, But right away, people can go to tfatusa.com. And uh, begin to explore the the resources, and what they're going to discover is uh, it is it is simple. Amen. Everything's been simplified, and there's a great confidence in the power of of God to to yeah. if we're just obedient um, to work through His Word and through His people. Amen. Mm. That's exactly been our experience. So I'm, I'm just going to ask both of you, <clears throat> how have you changed through all of this? What, uh, well, what's it done for you as individually as a couple? Well, as a couple, it's been so wonderful that we get to go together. We get to go every day. So what we learned uh, very quickly, you want to say something? No, you go ahead. We, uh, we learned very quickly was that our stamina was holding us back because we were so excited to see what God was doing. We were going out 15 hours a day. It was just uh, grueling, mm-hmm. but there was just so many people uh, to reach. And, and we began to see that we needed to change our schedule so that we could we could allow more potency in the time that we had so that we could benefit from what God was doing in our lives as a couple. And so what we began to do was we would spend the mornings of every day together in worship and separately in worship, and we would just feast on the Word of God and just uh, have a, a morning that was set aside to spend fellowshipping with the Lord individually and together. And then in the afternoon, then it was on. We would go and then we would go into the night and we try to get home uh, at a reasonable hour at night. But we found that, that the beauty of the whole time was that we're walking with him. Hmm. He is the beauty and the relationship with him is our greatest treasure. 
And it's just out of what he does for us as we experience him every day. It's out of that that overflow that we see is so contagious with believers, uh, for example, and with people that are far from God. For example, one man, he was sitting there. He's a Vietnam veteran sitting with him. He uh, uh, after the, the war in Vietnam, he went and lived in Germany for many 25 years before coming back to the U.S. And after I shared the story of hope and my story in the gospel, invited him to Christ, he readily came to Christ. And then he looked in my eyes and he says, I see what you're talking about in your eyes. Mm-hmm. And week after that, and, and, and all I'm saying is that for us as a couple we get to be together and experience him together. Now, the challenging part is when we split up like last night, because we can train twice as many people hmm. going to model and assist and watch and leave process that Jeff Sundell trained us. And so like last night we go, she's with a, a man. I, I'm with a woman and our, and our son and we go and uh, we, we see a, a woman come to Christ and we come back together and we celebrate all the way home together. Mm. And we just. Melissa, what, what's it meant for you? Uh, for me, it's been and I may cry. I'm mm. kind of a crier sometimes, but I'll try not to. But for me, it's been an incredible walk of faith. And it has grown my faith in the Lord just exponentially. Uh, my relationship with him has just, I don't know, a better word. If Blossom doesn't quite capture it. Mm. But I think when you see him move on a daily basis, like what we've been seeing, especially over the summer when we were uh, visiting with people so often, then you, he's just undeniable, undeniable. And his miracles, uh, whether they're great or small, whether they can seemingly be explained away by other things or whether they are undeniably only he can do them, they're just, um, they impact you in such a way that you, you can't help but grow and you can't help but love him more and you can't help but want to share him with other people more because you want other people to experience him in the same way. And so it just, it trickles all the way down. It's ripple effect. We've been studying the ripple effect with our eight year old son and trying to explain that concept to him. And God is such a perfect example of the ripple effect. He's, he's just amazing. There was a girl who was wanting to go out with us and she was saying, I have been asking the Lord over the last year, I want to see you work. I want to see you move. I want to experience you uh, in real ways. She had just not had that for the last year. And I said, if you, if you go out and you share your faith like this and you begin to disciple people to know him and to walk with him and obey him, you can't help but experience him because it's just natural. And, um, and I said, I just challenge you, just come with us and just watch, watch him work. He's amazing. And he will put us together 
for example, this is just a small thing, but for me it's amazing and miraculous. Um, we visited one lady one night who, um, well, actually on a Saturday morning at CrossFit, we met a lady who was a theater teacher. And there aren't a lot of theater teachers. We thought, oh, that's really neat. That's wonderful. And, and we knew we'd see her again. That week, going to follow up with House of Peace, potential House of Peace visits, we met a couple and she uh, is a theater teacher, uh, but they just moved to Austin and she doesn't have work and she's looking for work and she hasn't been connected with God very much over the last year. And so we were able to pray with her and ask God to intervene and help her with a job and help connect her with, you know, like-minded people, theater teachers. And so the next Saturday when we went to CrossFit, we saw that theater teacher and she said, yes, tell the girl, uh, here's my information. We professionally connect with people all the time. I'd be happy to get her plugged mm-hmm. in. I can use her as a substitute. You know, I mean, who God does that. Mm-hmm. And he does that kind of stuff all the time as we're going. And so we're getting to see him make connections that we never thought possible. So being out amongst people, just like Jesus was, sort of, I I just imagine him waking up each day, often in a different place, wondering, who has the Father prepared for me to meet today? So you're doing that, and that's actually feeding your faith and your walk with God because you're seeing him at work in in people's lives who are far from him, just as Jesus did. Yes, and our children are seeing it and living it. Mm. And so like last night, after the grown woman came to Christ, and I asked her, would you by chance have a Bible here in your home? And she said, here, I have this Bible that my my mom gave me as a present. And I said, um, I opened it up. I said, I want to read you something. And our eight-year-old son said, may I read it to her? Mm. And so our eight-year-old son read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. And the woman just sat there and just marveled. And, and another time, we were driving into the city, and, and our son, eight years old, he said, Daddy, if there are kids there tonight, can I tell the story? Mm. Because, Daddy, those kids, they'll listen more to me than they will <laughs> to you because I'm a kid. Mm. And so he did. And it was beautiful. We were in a, in a home that night where there were eight kids. Mm. The other family had come to Christ and invited other families to come. And the children jumped up, teenagers and, and younger children. And they all said, I can tell that story. I can tell that story. And so it's beautiful to see how God is nurturing even our children and our relationship uh, together as we go together as a family. And I can add another story. See, once you get me started, I can yeah, think about I- stories. But <laughs> we uh, very recently, before we went to Indiana, uh, we went to uh, one woman's house, and Fred and Joshua and another little girl had given her the breakfast tacos, and she had looked at Fred like, "What's the catch?" And Fred said, "No, there's no catch." And she said, "No, no, 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 really, what's the catch?" And 
again, Fred said, no, there's no catch. And, and she just kind of turned and there's got to be a catch. What's the catch? It's so third time, right? And so Joshua, he says, no, really, there's no catch. And he gave her the breakfast tacos <laughs> and she believed him. Mm. And it was wonderful because as we tried to follow up with her, we weren't able to see her the first time we tried to follow up again uh, for very long, but she was crying. I mean, you just see God working in people's lives, whether or not they receive him at that moment, you know, his, his Holy spirit is just doing an amazing work. And so, uh, so she was crying and she said, well, I can't, uh, meet tonight. How about uh, tomorrow? So the next day we came back and she uh, was able to allow us in at that point. And we began speaking with her and I shared the story of the sinful woman and I shared my story with the gospel in it and I invited her to Christ and I said, is there any reason why you wouldn't want to have, you know, this same free gift? And she said, oh, there's so many reasons. And again, she's crying. Like every time I see her, she's crying. And um, she was crying and she was explaining to us the barriers that, that she was facing related to her past and her husband's previous religion. And, uh, but it was so incredible just to talk with her about God, about my testimony, about how there are questions that, you know, the secret things are the Lord's, but those things that are revealed, they're for us. And, um, just sharing with her my very personal relationship with the Lord and, and how he's worked in my life. And you could see how she was just coming closer and closer. And we were able to share and explore God, um, video clip with her uh, where there was a, an atheist woman who had been atheist, but she she came to Christ. And so it was her testimony. And we were able to show that to her. And, and Fred was saying that this woman had said, oh, man, you know, I started out as an atheist, but I've come along to agnostic. And, and you could just see her almost pray to receive Christ. Um but she's just not quite ready. But we know we were sent there for a very specific purpose and for more watering of the gospel. And and what was so beautiful there was to listen to her mm-hmm. and to hear her say, you're the first people that I've ever met that said, you don't have all of the answers, mm-hmm. but that you know somebody that does have the answers. She says, no one has ever said that. To me before. And so we would listen to her. And she was the one that said, I've come from being an atheist now to agnostic, and I'm almost ready to give my life to Christ. Would you stay and wait for my husband so that he can hear what you're saying to me? And so we were there with them for almost three hours. It was it was so beautiful. And for them to say, almost pleading with us, would you please come back? Would you please come back? And we see this hunger for God, that God is, his Holy Spirit is moving like this. Now we're in over eight, let's see, over 28 different communities. And we see him moving like this all over the metro area. And now these other people in Indiana and in Ohio And in South Carolina, they're reporting back God doing the same thing in their communities. And and I just am observing 
that God is moving here in the USA now. And so that's why every morning we're praying Luke 10 to. And we're just praying. And, and now we're seeing now more and more churches asking us to come and train them. And so to 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 for me, who loves to knock on doors, God is showing me we've got to train more believers that have the right heart for Jesus, the willingness to go. And they just need now the right knowledge to put it into practice. Yeah. And so we see God just increasing that now. And, and the appearance to us because of what's happening is that he's about to increase that dramatically. Dramatically. 